we've been in a series, if you're new here with us today, we've been, I'm glad you're here, but we've been in the midst of a series on the Word of God, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take a quick pause from that series for today, uh, but I think it actually fits inside the series because uh, we've stumbled in, I, it's almost like a little mini-series has accidentally come up to the surface, and the little mini-series that's accidentally come to the surface uh, inside the Word of God series, I think could best be described as things that we don't like talking about. Um, so last week I talked about adultery. So there's that. Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, more specifically, we talked about not committing adultery, not about adultery. That'd be inappropriate. But we, uh, so we talked about not committing adultery and today, uh, I'm going to be talking about money. So for those of you that were hoping that we, we were talking about money today, uh, congratulations, you got your wish. Um, (laughs) <laughs> no, we, we talk about money for, uh, and actually the, the reason for the, the sermon today is for two reasons. Uh, first and foremost, that the Bible talks about money. And one of the things I love about the Bible is when you take the whole counsel of scripture, you end up uh, wrestling with things that you would otherwise rather not wrestle with. It's going to force you to think about things and force you to confront things uh, that are much easier just left unthought about. They're much easier left avoided and, and not considered because it, it, it's convicting, right? It's hard. It's, it's complicated. And, it, and, you know, when it's a choice between doing something hard and not doing something hard, we typically choose not doing something hard, right? I mean, even coming into church this morning, it would have been easier to stay home. And not that coming to church is something that, that's difficult, but, but it is easier to not go than to come, Right? And so, um, so we talk about it because the Bible talks about it. And then today, there's a more, Im- uh, not more immediate, but there's an immediate application to this. We're going to be receiving uh, our annual Thanksgiving offering. And this is an offering that we take every year at our anniversary as we celebrate and consider the things that God has done for us. Uh, you can be thinking as short-term as the last several weeks, or you can be thinking as long-term as the previous year since the last offering, or you could go as far as just to remember the goodness of God throughout your entire life. Um, in, in Joshua chapter 4, when the Israelites passed through the Jordan, they picked up these 12 stones and they set them up as a memorial so that every time they saw the memorial, they would remember what God had done. And they'd be able to teach their children about the great things that God has done. Now, this isn't an, a memorial in any, in any uh, sense, but it's something that we come to annually to force us to remember the goodness of God. And so we, sent, we, we announced last week that we'd be receiving that offering. We'll be receiving it at the end of the service. But as we were going through this, through this uh, week and preparing for this, my wife and I, we started thinking about how can we be generous? Right? Coming up into this place of Thanksgiving as we consider how good God's been to us and how faithful he's been to us and how benevolent he's been to us. How can we be generous with the things that we have, with our money and with our time and with our stuff? And, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to talk to our kids about the cool things that we've seen God do in and, in, in and for our family. The neat things that we've seen God do through our family. The neat things that we, neat ways that we've seen God uh, heal different family members. One of my daughters was, was healed from allergies like overnight. Uh, somebody in the congregation came to me one morning. On a Sunday morning, she, go, she goes, she's like, hey, I believe that um, your daughter is going to be healed of her allergies. My family and I were fasting and praying and we believe that this is going to happen. 
And so it was like awesome. I mean, she was, the, the allergies kept us up all night. It was, it was a terrible thing. She was on lots of medicine and we could barely keep the symptoms suppressed. And so we kept her on the medicine. We, we, there was this moment where we all kind of felt like, oh my gosh, we think she's healed. And we, we kept her on the medicine. We took her to the doctor. The doctor did the allergy test and all the allergies were gone. And so we were able to take her off the allergy medicine. Right, how cool is that? That was a couple of years ago. That was a couple of years ago, but it's one of those memories of the way that God came through that came to the surface as we were considering this Thanksgiving offering. How amazing is it that God healed our daughter several years ago, right? And I, I don't, and, and so, and there have been other smaller things and other more personal and private things that we've, that we've prayed through in ways that we've seen God move in this Thanksgiving offering is a moment to do that. And I guess the reason that we're, we're focusing on the idea of the offering for the whole sermon is, is so that we understand that in our giving of this offering, in our giving of any offering, in our giving of anything, we aren't able to make up for a life that's not lived in integrity with, with Christ himself. We're not able to overcome a life that's not lived in relationship with Jesus by giving all of our money. So if you plan to come today and empty your wallet and to empty your bank accounts for a Thanksgiving offering, but you're not following Christ on, on, on the daily basis and you're not, you're not following him and obeying him and, and allowing scripture to, to inscribe itself on your heart and to teach you and guide you and inspire you about God's plan for you, then, then you're, you're missing the point. You can still do it if you, if you need to give all the money. No, I'm just kidding. That didn't go over. I guess... Is it going to be a quiet kind of sermon? Okay, I'll just, that'll be good. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 50, verses 8 through 15. And um, we're trying something new. So if you could join me in standing for the reading of Scripture. We did well last week. We're trying to make sure that we don't treat the Word of God casually. And standing up is just a great way to give honor to the Scripture uh, if we continue to do well at standing together for me to read the scripture, we might even advance to the place where we read it together. <laughs> but that's advanced. So we'll just, so you can just read along in your heart and mind. And I'm not that good of a reader. So, you know, from time to time, I'll make up a word and I try and stay close. Psalm chapter 50, verses 8 through 15. Now for your sacrifices, do I rebuke you? Or not? See, I did it already. It's not, not now. I'm thinking about other things. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, get us excited. God, I ask about the opportunity before us to give of our resources and to give of ourselves for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. So if I could read correctly, we could start reading it together. So maybe in a couple of weeks. 
So I just want to talk through this passage and offer some, offer some perspective, and we'll close the surface, like I said, with an offering. We see in verse 8 that God is bringing discipline to them, and there's a challenge of judgment. But um, in, an, in a turn from maybe the way that we would expect things to go, he's not judging them because they're not giving enough. In fact, in this case, the people are giving faithfully, and they're giving diligent. Well, maybe not faithfully, but they're giving diligently, and they're giving consistently. And so they're bringing the, the proper offerings to God. The problem here is that their hearts have strayed from that act, and they've entered into a place of ritual where they're kind of going through the motions and they're doing what they think is going to check off the box and satisfy or appease God instead of including their heart in it and making it an offering, right? We call it an offering, not a taking. When we receive the tithes and offerings here, right? It's a collection, not a, not a taking because it, we're not hoping to force you to give. We're hoping that there's a willingness to give and a faith that's attached to your giving so that it's just a matter of kind of receiving it. Uh, the Israelites had five different kinds of offerings. They had a burnt offering. Uh, and that was literally an offering of ascent. And we call it the burnt offering. But the purpose of the burnt offering was for general atonement of sin and expression of devotion to God. So just generally recognizing that man has fallen, that we're sinful. And, and these burnt offerings held up as a temporary covering for the fallenness of mankind. The problem is that, that it was only temporary. It had to be done regularly to continually cover and continually atone for the sins of man. We no longer do a burnt offering because we believe that Jesus was the true and better sacrifice and he is the complete atonement for us. And he was able to take on the fullness of sin and death and shame and guilt on the cross on our behalf. So that sacrifice has been made once and for all. And now we rest in and we remember that, it, that we are covered. So instead of regularly having to give, or to give to cover our sins, I think now we get to regularly remember that our sins are covered and forgiven. There was a grain offering. In the Old Testament, it, the purpose of the grain offering was a voluntary expression of devotion to God, recognizing his goodness and providence. That's a good one, right? Just out of the abundance of the provision of God, just given because he's been good to you and he's given to you. It's a great response. You've got the peace offering. The, the is shalem, a peace offering. This category was first discussed in Leviticus 3, includes the thanksgiving offerings, the free will offerings, and the wave offerings. The wave offering was like, hey, God, that's what we like it to be. Like, hey, I see you there. It was, it was different than that. But so there were these different kinds of offerings, and there were offerings inside of it. And, and people were to give these offerings uh, out of out of what it's out of free will and out of thanksgiving and out of gratitude and overflow of hope and joy rising up in your soul to say yes god thank you and the fourth was a sin offering um and the sin offering was seen as a as an offering of atonement for unintentional sin so that's kind of the, the sin that just beholds us that we we're just kind of stumbling into where the other one was you know you punched your neighbor in the throat because you wanted their cat and i don't know why that would ever happen in the history of man that somebody would want a cat is perplexing to me enough. I know, I know, I'm sorry. I, I know. I'll just stick to the notes for the rest. If you love cats, I'm sorry that you love cats. And I um, will pray for you up front after the service we have. 
prayer ministers. Uh, there's a guilt offering. I would give one of those right now. Um, <laughs> that was an offering to make reparations for one's sin. Again, these ones that cover sin and are in response to our sin are offerings that we no longer give because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice and it was finalized, it was completed in him. So there is no more covering to be done. There's only a receiving of the covering that's been uh, accomplished on our behalf. But there is room for these free will and thanksgiving offerings. There's still this place where we can respond to the goodness of God by opening up our hearts primarily first and foremost. And then it's funny when our heart is open towards something, our wallet kind of follows. You just have to look at your calendar and your, your credit card statement or your debit card statement. If you've been through Dave Ramsey to figure out where your heart's priorities are. Now, these offerings are ones that were regularly presented and they were being faithfully to regularly present these offerings. And so they were being, they were being faithful in the sense that they were doing what God had asked. He even came to him. He's like, hey, I'm not like corrections coming, y'all, but it's not coming because you weren't giving me the stuff. You were giving me the stuff. Your just heart wasn't in it. Now, if you were to, in, a, in a relationship, if somebody was to give you something on the regular basis that you like, but they, but they weren't. In, but there was no kindness or generosity or benevolence in the action of giving, it, it would get stale. And you'd be kind of like, hey, look, I, I appreciate it, but, but no thanks, depending on what that gift is, right? Some of, some of us would really like to just get gifts with, you know, your heart can be in it or not, I don't care, just give me the stuff. But it would grow stale, wouldn't it? If it became a rote thing of ritual and, and obligation, it, it'd be like, I'm not even sure that I, that I want that. If I were to give my wife flowers on, on the weekly basis and just kind of just flop it on the counter and be like, there, got your flowers. How you like them? Got you better flowers this week than last week. How about them? Right? It'd be like, yeah, no thanks on the flowers. Uh, where are you? in this. And it's so easy for our relationship with God to take on that kind of stale ritualistic quality where we go through the motions of, of coming to church on Sunday morning and, and singing the songs, but not encountering and engaging the God who's on right on the other side of those words. Right? When we, when we worship, it's not just singing the words that are on the screen as an obligation or as a, as a ritual. What's happening is we're hoping that you engage your heart and your imagination with those words so that you can experience something of the presence of God, not just talk about him. In giving to God, we're not supplying a need that God has, and that's where the scripture takes us in just a moment, but in many ways, we're supplying a need that we have. He says it this way, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. In other words, if I was in need, you're not the people I'd be coming to. If I had need. So Kanye's like throwing some real divine shade right there. He's like, hey, let me just make this real clear to you. Your offerings, they're sweet. And I appreciate you being faithful to them. That's great. But um, if I had need of anything, yeah, it's all mine. It's all mine. 
the best you can do is give me back a little bit of what's already mine. But even what you don't give me is still mine. <laughs> you know, so it's not. So sometimes we feel like, so, you know, if you got 100% and you give to God and you're like, so I've got whatever percent left. Let's say, let's say, it, let's say we stick to the tithe because it's easy math. And so we give 10%, we've got 90% left. We're like, 10% is God's, the rest is mine. No, that's not how that works. It's all still his. We get to steward it all. Right? And we definitely give, we give some of that back to him and, and we entrust somebody else with the stewardship of that 10%. But for the 90%, it's not like now I can do whatever it is that I want to do because I've satisfied the God. I've delayed his wrath with my 10%. I've turned away his, his anger and his jealousy against me. That's not what an offering does. It's simply that we've given to him some of what's his. And we get to hold on to more of what's his than we have to give to him. To that point, I think sometimes we have a, a hard time giving to, to organizations, don't we? Right? Like, you know, in the hurricane disaster relief, did anybody else look at the organizations and say, how do they spend the money? Right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that I said before I was a pastor, just so you know, this isn't like a new creation now that I'm like a site pastor and I'm, somehow I'm getting rich off saying stuff like this. Nobody's getting rich off the offerings at Grace, by the way, just for the record. But, but um, when we give, especially in and to the church, uh, it's, it's our responsibility to give. And it's the church's responsibility to steward it well. So it's our, it's our responsibility to be faithful and full of faith and give and, and trust God to use it well. So, so sometimes there, there are some churches where the money's not spent well, where there's not much accountability and things are done badly, right? Or sometimes, have you ever, have you ever given to an organization that found, and then found out that the organization wasn't using the money well? Maybe it was used to purchase things that you don't think a church should be purchasing. Has anybody ever done that? Has anybody ever been afraid of doing it? Nobody's, nobody's admitting or talking about anything but me. I'm just going to assume that some of you have done that or some of you haven't given because you're afraid that somebody, thank you, that some of you don't or haven't given or haven't given much because you're afraid that somebody's going to do that, right? And so, but, but our responsibility isn't how it's spent immediately. Our immediate responsibility is to respond to the prompting of God. And as God prompts us to give, we're responsible to give. And to be faithful and obedient to the prompting of God and to the commands and scriptures that tell us to give and to be generous. Right? There's a whole lot of responsibility that falls to the pastors and the staff to, to steward that well. You want to talk about fear of God. Stewarding money that was given for the sake of God? That's a terrifying responsibility. And, and so... If you've been discouraged or somehow you feel like your offering didn't count because somebody squandered it or did bad things with it, you're, the, the value and the benefit of the offering was not lost because you were obedient. You're tracking? Thank you, Andrew Jackson. You and me, man. I'm going to give you a deacon's bench right there. For as much as he doesn't need the offering, we do. And we need the offering for a lot of reasons. We need the offering, like I said earlier, to remind ourselves about the goodness of God and about the provision of God and about how his resources don't run out. 
We need the offerings to rid ourselves of the selfishness that otherwise latches onto us and, and, and that we have to drag that selfishness all the way through the office and all the way to work and all the way back from work and all the way to the bed. And then all the way up when you get, get up in the morning, that selfishness is back there and I just got to get mine, get mine, get mine. Giving an offering is an antidote to that selfishness that so quickly grabs onto our heart. And what's cool is, so the Bible was saying this and God was telling people to do it. And then uh, what's cool is when science starts to back up what the Bible says, and then people start writing about it and start talking about it, and then it's revelatory to the world that maybe something the Bible said is actually true and has benefit for us today. So there's a benefit in that God is glorified, but he's not just glorified because we're giving him stuff where he's glorified in that we're giving him stuff and we're being obedient. And that's awesome. But as we give and we're obedient to God, we're transformed and we're changed into something new and different. And as we're transformed into something different, we become a different kind of people. And you got one kind of different person joined to a whole bunch of different kinds of people. And all of a sudden the church is gathered up and it's a whole bunch of different kinds of people who are walking around full of joy and faith and hope and, and kindness and benevolence and generosity being unique on the earth. Oh, so here's this cool thing that I found. I was reading about the benefits of generosity in his book on why things, why good things happen to good people. Now, theologically, I wouldn't agree with that sentence, but we'll take it. Stephen Post, a professor of preventative medicine at Stony Brook University, reports that giving to others has shown to increase health benefits in people with chronic illness, including HIV and MS. What? Maybe God was onto something when he's like, bring me all these offerings. I'm going to have five different kinds of offerings with subdivided offerings inside of that because it's going to be good for you. This thing that we hate so much. Good for me. What? In 1999, a study led by Doug Oman of University of California, Berkeley found that elderly people who volunteered for two or more organizations were 44% less, this is kind of dark, but I'll keep reading, less likely to die (laughs) over a five-year period than non-volunteers even after controlling for, um, uh, in a five-year period than were non-volunteers even after controlling for age, exercise habit, general health, and negative habits like smoking. So I'm just saying, if there are any elderly people in the room, we've got need in our children's ministry, and we also have need in our hospitality. And, you know, two or more is what the study said. So go ahead. There are four weeks in a month. Um, you know, we'll, we'll give you plenty of exercise to live longer. Stephanie Brown at the University of Michigan saw similar results in 2003 in a study on elderly couples. She and her colleagues found that individuals who, practical, who provided practical help to friends, relatives, neighbors, or gave emotional support to spouses had a lower risk of dying in a five-year period than those who didn't. Interestingly, receiving help wasn't linked to reducing the... Oh, I shouldn't have read that last part. <laughs> receiving the help doesn't help you live longer. What kind of help are they offering? Right? Maybe, maybe you receive the help, you get strong, and then you go help somebody else, and then you live longer. That's how that's supposed to work, right? That's just an advertisement for our helping with our care team, right? Making meals for families that just had babies or people who've lost a loved one and calling and praying with people. We've got this listen, encourage, pray process that we like to be able to do where somebody's going through a difficult time. We call and we listen and we encourage them in the word, and then we pray with them. We can't solve the problem, but what we can do is come up alongside you as you struggle with this problem. 
So you see that like science is going, oh, this is awesome. If you give, you're changed. It's brand new. A few thousand years ago. But we hate it so much. When I think, uh, I want to I qualify what I just read in terms of importance. I, I, you know, so I just read these things that are extra biblical. That doesn't mean like super biblical. That means outside of biblical, like not the Bible. Extra. It's like, wow, it's super Bible stuff. No, extra is like outside of the Bible. I read these extra biblical things, these, these, uh, and they have some conclusions that I wouldn't even agree with. And so I don't look for science to, uh, I don't, if they came back and they said, actually, hey, turns out giving's actually going to kill you. <laughs> like next year they come out with a study. They're like, actually, yeah, they, you die at a faster rate. You die more often. I don't know how you'd do that. But if they said that, I would still stick to the Bible on it. Right? I wouldn't go, oh, no. Turns out giving's not good. Right? I'm, I'm, going, with, I'm going with Scripture it's just really encouraging when you find that science and psychology and, and all these other things start lining up with what the Bible already declared to be true many years ago. So when it comes to giving, how can we give in such a way that it is pleasing to God? And here are the three encouragements from the, from the end of this passage. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. We need to give with thanksgiving. We need to give with Thanksgiving, just with gratitude. Thanksgiving in the United States is a holiday once a year. And we stir up as much thankfulness as we can. And we try not to fight at the dinner table. And we try and make people remember something that they're thankful for. And then we get past it as quickly as we can because Santa's coming. (laughs) Right? And the lions are playing and they need to lose. Again, for tradition, there's a six-legged turkey on TV that we got to watch. And so let's get this over with. Enough Thanksgiving already. Let's have Christmas. Enough gratitude. Let's go get stuff. <laughs> right? So it's a day dedicated. It's good. I'm glad there's a day dedicated. Better than having no days dedicated. But in the life of a believer, it should be something. Thanksgiving should be a way of life. Gratitude ought to be something that we experience and think of on the daily basis. Not, not just the annual basis. But there are moments in our calendar where we do highlight Thanksgiving. Uh, to maybe bring that to pinnacle and give us opportunity to participate in it. That'd be like just giving somebody you love uh, a gift only on their birthday. Right? Maybe most of us do that, actually, I guess. This is why it's so quiet. But how cool would it be? Just like, let's go into the hypothetical world. How cool would it be if somebody who loved you gave you a gift tomorrow just because it was Monday? Just because. I mean, it'd be pretty awesome. We ought to give with Thanksgiving. Then we, have, um, then we have faithfulness. Keeping our vow to give to God. You know those moments where we're like, God, I'll give you everything when, I'll give you everything. And then we get into it and we're like, well, it's not as much as I felt like it was, so I'll just hold on to it until I get more. No, 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 no. Give. The studies show that if you don't give when you have little, you don't actually give when you have much. And that's proven time after time after time and study after study after study. So if you make little and you're waiting till you have much to give, don't do that. Here's an opportunity to flex the right muscle because if you don't give with your little, you're not going to give with much. Another time that science and studies and social research affirms what the Bible said. 
We need to give not only just with faithfulness, but I think we need to give with faith-filledness. And that's where we have an expectation that it's going to be honoring and pleasing to God. And as we give to him, we know with great confidence that he will deliver us in the time of our need. You know, because sometimes really giving is like, oh, wow, if I give this, I'm not going to have the retirement plan that I, I think I need. But it's an opportunity to trust and, and be secure in the fact that he's the one who's providing anyway. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about being reckless, but I am talking about being full of faith. That God can make up more than this amount that I'm giving. That this is just seed sown into the God who's provided everything anyway. Who's leaving me with a, a greater percentage to keep than to give away. Well, not really keep, but to use. And then there's one last thought that sometimes we can't see past a single offering. But in that moment, God sees generations that are going to be impacted. And so as we bring our tithes and offerings, as we bring thanksgiving offerings, as we bring to God out of love and gratitude and devotion, things that are close to us and things that are important to us, and we lay it at the feet of God, generations are impacted in a lot of different ways because we're transformed. So we'll parent and we'll teach and we'll train and we'll make disciples differently. So that's number one. But number two, when, when, when the next generation, not just children, but college students, high school students, when the next generation looks at us giving radically and giving freely and giving fully of ourselves, full of faith and full of gratitude and trusting God in the midst of it, they get to set their eyes on something that's different than the rest of the world and enter into something instead of just having to create it for themselves. WAMU, that's 88.5 on your dial. Um, It's not an advertisement for them. I just wanted to highlight them because this week they had a testimony drive. They had like a testimony service all week long where people were calling in and ushers, if you could go and get ready. Um, They they were having a a testimony service all week long and um, people were calling in and sharing about the way that it's public radio had benefited their lives, how it had influenced them, how it had made their life better, how it had made them uh, more grateful and, and it, um, you know, people were saying like, it keeps me busy on my drive or it's news that I like because it has different perspectives or, you know, like I just like calling into radio shows and hearing my voice. And, you know, so people are calling in and they're sharing all these reasons that they love the 88.5 and, and, but they weren't asking people just to call and say how much they love it. They were saying, hey, if you love 88.5, if it's changed your life, we want you to give to this. And people were responding in, in faith. Saying, I'm going to give to this and I'm going to give to this because I want the radio station to continue because I like, I like what's already happening here. I feel like if the world can respond to a radio ad by saying thank you with their money, we can at least do that much to our God. Who's given us far more than news. Who's given us far more than... than um, than stories that he's given us far more than just information on the drive and keeping us busy on a drive. We have in offering in every offering in every moment that we offer every moment we're prompted to give. We have an opportunity to say thank you to God for the great ways that he's, he's cared for us and he's provided for us and he's secured us and taken care of us. And that's what's before us today with this offering. And so it's not about how has Grace Covenant Church helped you, though we hope that Grace Covenant Church has been a benefit to you. 
that, it, that we've helped you fall more and more and more in love with Jesus, that your heart is stirred with affection for Christ, that, you're, that, you're, that you know more who you were created to be than you did before you started coming around and being a part of who we are. That's, that's the hope. And so, but, but if, you, if you, oh gosh, if you're just excited about what God has done and you're, and you're willing to give, now look, what's cool is there's no percentage on this. There's, nobody's going nobody's gonna to take a role on this. And so if you can give, you can give. If you can't give, you can't give. But we want to provide this opportunity to give. And if this is a surprise to you, if you just found out like right now, and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that was today, or I didn't realize you did that. I need some time to think about it. Think about it. Awesome. Take some time and remember the way that God has moved on your behalf, and take some time and reflect on that, and, and ask God, hey, God, what's an appropriate response for me?